Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Yes Mother podcast, a podcast covering the A&E show, The Bates Motel. Today we will be covering episode eight, A Boy and His Dog. I'm Sue. And I'm Em. Psycho killer, So, how's it going? It's good. I feel like I always have all these problems. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we're all sick. Oh. Um, both my kids and me, we all have colds and fevers. I don't have fevers, but anyway. And I'm doing the... I'm in charge of the book club at Scout School today. We're um, doing Stone Fox. Oh, and yeah. I've got two sick kids, and Rob won't be home from work yet, so I have to take them both and do a big presentation for, I don't know, 15 kids on Stone Fox. You have to do that today? Yes, at 2.30. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Busy. Yeah. yeah. So if you hear some moaning and groaning in the background, that's M's girls. <laughs> yeah, they're both home from school today. <laughs> <laughs> um... Well, again, I haven't had any drama. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. My no kids life has been about the same. (laughs) Husband out of town again, though. He might be coming home today. That'll be nice. That'll be nice. All right. I guess we'll get into a boy and his dog. Yeah, I had fun rewatching this. This is a good episode. This was. This was an enjoyable episode to watch. Yep. Definitely. Very much. Yep. And so. it starts out with Norman and Emma's dad, Will, are in his taxidermy shop. And Will tells, tells Norman he's sorry he lost his friend. Norman says it just seems sad to let her go and dishonorable to put her in the ground, and she was lonely. Will says he understands, and he offers to teach Norman taxidermy. Yeah, so I found that kind of an interesting insight to Norman's thinking. Absolutely, yeah. The dishonorable to put her in the ground and she was lonely. <laughs> yep, two little things that made my ears perk up. <laughs> <laughs> I know, so it kind of makes me think that's kind of the mindset he must have been in when Norma dies. Yeah. That, I don't know. Interesting, I thought. Very, yeah, very interesting. Yeah. A little unsettling. Kind of. Yeah, but Will, I like Will. Yeah, for sure. He's it's a good dude. He is. So, cool. Uh, okay, so then we go on. Um, Emma walks into the girls' restroom at school. She's coughing and having a hard time breathing. She goes into one of the stalls and takes... A couple of hits off her inhaler. While she's in the stall, some of Bradley's friends walk in, and they're talking about Norman and calling him weird and pathetic. They're laughing about Norman always staring at Bradley and how he thinks he has a shot with her. One of them says there's no way Bradley would ever sleep with him. Emma walks out of the stall and says, maybe you should talk to her because she did. One of the girls says she doesn't know what she's talking about, and Emma tells them they don't know what they're talking about. She tells them Bradley had sex with Norman and... (laughs) Sorry, I got a little message. <laughs> it distracted me. 
with Norman, and you should get your facts straight before you shoot your mouth off with your demeaning comments. Then she points out that one of the girls has toilet paper on the bottom of her shoe. Oh, the looks on the girl's face. i got to turn my phone's volume off. <laughs> the looks on the girl's face is just, ugh. It just made me go, I hate high school girls so bad. <laughs> me too. And I kind of wish Emma didn't point out the one with toilet paper on her shoe and just let her walk out with it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Although it was good enough that she pointed it out. Yeah. It still embarrassed her. but Yeah, and I don't know. I totally understand Emma wanting to defend her friend like that, but she shouldn't have said anything. I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like she just lost it. I think so. I think so. I think she is just, I don't know, just kind of, in a way, a loyal friend where she heard Norman being talked down to, and she's like, he did sleep with her, guess what, you know? Sure, and it'd be it'd be hard not to say right. something like that, but still, when it's not your business, it's, yeah. it's not your business. It you would know? have been better to have just let them talk, because they're going to anyway, and there's... Exactly. That's just how those girls are. Yep. Exactly. So, uh, next, uh, we see a newspaper with a headline saying that construction on the new bypass will begin in July. Norma calls Sheriff Romero's office. While Norma is waiting to be connected to Romero, she notices Abernathy standing outside looking up at her window. The girl on the phone tells Norma Romero is not in, and Abernathy just stands there for a while and then walks away. So what did you pull away from that? I, the only thing I could think of was that he was just trying to intimidate her, I guess. I don't know. So from our point of view, he already knows that the money's missing. So he's already starting in on her. Yeah, he has to know the money's missing because. He's been there long enough. He's been there long enough and he insists on room number nine, which is presumably where he hit the money. I think he knew within the first 10 minutes he got in that room that the money was missing because if you were hiding a bunch of cash in a motel room and then you pulled up to that motel room and there was new owners, right? What, you know, I mean, that's the first thing I would think that you would go look for is, you know, the money. Cause oh, he knows, for sure. You know, so he knows it's missing. It's like we talked in... Like this was it the spoilers of the last one? How we think maybe that was him breaking in the when Norma gets up, like that scene that seemed kind of weird. Yeah, I really do. The more I think about it, I really do think Abernathy had broken in and tried to find the money while they were sleeping. I see. Yeah. So, so I, I yeah, I think it was just a pure intimidation because he thinks that Norma knows what he's looking for. Yeah, he thinks they're both on the same page that they're now playing a game. Right, right. Of wits or whatever. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I think it was just a total intimidation move. Um, But kind of creepy. That would creep me out if I was looking out the window and some dude was just staring at me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. In fact, I was wondering if she was going to mention it, if she got a hold. You know, I had forgotten how that phone call ends up, but if she would mention it, if she had gotten a hold of the sheriff. 
Um, one of my tenants is staring at me, and I'm feeling uncomfortable. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was a deliberate. I'm standing here looking at you. You know, right? Not not just I'm just walking by and Hi. oh no, it was total face off. <laughs> yeah. So um. So then we have the opening sequence, and then in the next scene, uh, Dylan and Remo are gar- guarding the plot field. Gil calls Dylan and tells him that he and Remo need to go down to California and pick up the trimmers. Dylan asks what trimmers are, and Gil says Remo will explain it. Remo gives Dylan some crap for not knowing and says he isn't going to tell him. Remo tells Dylan to go pack, and Dylan says what for, and Remo tells him it's an overnight trip. Pack a change of clothes. He asks Dylan if he needs to come over and tell Dylan what to pack. So, Remo's just kind of being a dick. <laughs> yeah. He he seemed on the edge before, like, last episode, but he also seemed kind of, like, resigned to it. But now he's got attitude. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's got to be, I mean, from Remo's point of view. So, Dylan, this young 21-year-old that just started a few weeks ago is your boss now, and he doesn't even know what a trimmer is. I mean. Right. In that business, you probably know what a trimmer is. I'm not saying that everyone should know. Like, I didn't know. I probably could have figured it out after a while. But, you know, that's just not a common word in my life. Well, sure. No. <laughs> you know. Even. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like a gardening term. but Yeah, I mean, and it would suck to, like, have a job and you get this new boss and they don't really know what's going on. It's like, how? Why are you my boss? <laughs> you know. Sure. So. Anyway. Yeah, you're totally gonna come across that. Yep. Okay, are we done with that? I think so. Norman is at school, and Bradley walks up to him and asks him why he told everyone what happened that night. He says he didn't. She tells him Emma told everyone in the girls' bathroom, and it's not cool. He says, "Why isn't it? It happened." She says they shouldn't have, and they need to forget about it. She has a boyfriend. She tells him she doesn't want people to know and to forget it happened. He just stares at her. Then we see Miss Watson is watching this from her classroom. Norman looks at Miss Watson, and he turns and walks out the door. Miss Watson follows him, and she asks Norman what is going on. He says he has to leave. She says he has to have a note. He cannot just leave school. He yells at her, and he doesn't care. She reaches out and touches his arm, and he hits her hand away and walks off. Yeah, so what's up with Norman, like, hitting Miss Watson away like that? (laughs) Um, I don't know. I think he was in a state of anger. Yeah, I guess so. But, yeah, I don't really know. Well, it was pretty, like, I don't know, kind of, I don't know, violent and spazzy. (laughs) It was, and it was definitely how she described, like, emotionally disturbed a little bit. Right, Right. I was just wondering if it had anything to do with, like, that vision of her that he had a few episodes ago of her tied up. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't think of that. But you're right. It probably is just, I mean, he just had that confrontation with Bradley. He was in a state. Although he handled it pretty well as going on. He did. He did. But I think, yeah. Like, I thought, when I was watching it, I thought he would get very angry and start bad-mouthing Emma, but instead he's like, why isn't it? It happened. Right, right. But the things she says were hurtful, you know. Trying to be nice, but it was very, I'm sure it was 
just adding to the last time. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, she's, you know, it shouldn't have happened. You just need to forget it. I have a boyfriend. You know, that is not what he wants to hear, I'm sure. No, and in his socially awkward state. You know, and re-listening to our discussions, I don't think I gave him enough credit for being a 17-year-old boy um, in the situation he was in. Like, he should know. You know, I felt like I was a little too... Like he should be on the ball about relationships and <laughs> miscommunication. <laughs> but for me, that probably came after years and years of dating <laughs> to be right. able to read all these situations. So... I feel like last time, I just want to say, I felt like I was a little hard on him. He is 17, and that's probably very, I probably would have done the exact same thing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'll have to re-listen. I, I don't remember you being really hard on him. I wasn't, but I was still just kind of like, come on, all the signs are there. But, you know, I'm coming from... I'm Someone that yeah. dated a lot and, you know, I'm right. not married and it wasn't 17-year-old Emily <laughs> trying to get into Norman's head. It was me. That's true. That's true. And plus it is, I don't know, I think we can pretty much assume that was his first time, probably his first, yeah. you know, time with a girl and, you know. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. well, I'm sure he accepts your apology. <laughs> 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 so, all right. Okay, so that scene, he kind of shows some scary behavior to Miss Watson that puts a little wormhole in her ear. Is that how you'd say that? <laughs> yeah. It just... It, I kind of feel like they overreacted a little. I don't know. I I don't think it was enough to get that alarmed. I mean, you know, he's being confronted by, like, the prettiest, most popular girl in school. Right. And coming up a little later, I can't tell you how many times I skipped class and just walked off campus in high school. Same. I mean, if they would have suspended me every time I did that, I have never been in school. I would have missed a lot. <laughs> yeah, a three-day suspension for walking off the camera and skipping a class. Exactly. That's Especially nuts. when you're clearly upset. It's not like he's walking off campus to go get high or something. Right. You know. I mean, give the kid a you know break. Yeah, I thought that was really harsh. I don't know if things have changed since I was in high school or what, but that was crazy to me. Anyway. Oh, I remember get getting, that getting confronted once by Mr. Roundy, the vice principal. Me and some friends were, like, obviously leaving. Uh -huh. And he's like, where are you guys going? We're like, uh, we forgot our textbooks. He's like, okay. It's <laughs> 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 like, Okay. <laughs> We'll be back. <laughs> yeah, we were able to just come and go as much as we pleased. Yeah. I so. did a lot of, like, community service to make up. Oh, yeah. I I, did, I had to pay for it. I had to do a lot, of, a lot of hours on Saturdays. I 
pretty much helped because my uh, what do they call it? Your attendance. Mine was really bad my senior year that I pretty much put Springville Library's card catalog on computer. <laughs> <laughs> I had to spend a few Saturdays down at the library, like data entry, like the little card catalogs. <laughs> right. We chose the uh, old folks home. Just oh. that little one. And <laughs> we made friends with all these uh, old people and there is this guy there named Wayne that called us kitten and he played the weirdest. <laughs> Rules for Rummy were so weird. <laughs> oh, that's, that's funny. All you had to do was just sit and visit. We didn't have to, like, do anything. <laughs> Change diapers or anything. <laughs> we just go and go to the common room and get called Kitten and play with Wayne. And oh, that's we had funny. some little ladies we'd go visit that would tell the same stories over and over. They were so cute. Oh, that's cute. Anyway, we enjoyed that, actually. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, okay. Our little truancy stories. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's me. Okay. Now, uh, Norman is pushing a housekeeping cart. Did I say Norman? I meant Norma. Norma is pushing a housekeeping cart at the motel. She knocks at the door of room number nine and yells, housekeeping. Abernathy opens the door and asks, she asked him when he would like his room cleaned and said she can come back in and she can. And he, okay. And well, didn't he say she could come in and do it now? Oh yeah. Like sorry. His idea. No, that's cool. And oh, that would make me so uncomfortable. There's no way I would go in and do it then with him just no. staring at me. It was the worst. No way. <laughs> Because uh, Norma's changing the sheets and Abernathy is just sitting on the chair watching. He says he was in town last night and heard there was an unpleasant incident at the motel. Norma tells him a dog got hit by a car out front. He says, no, I heard Jack Shelby got shot here. Right up there on those steps. Norma says he did. Abernathy says it's funny how you don't really know people all that well. He says he kind of knew Keith Summers. And all that time, he was using the motel to run a sex trade. Norma is dusting the bedside table and knocks the lamp over, and the light bulb breaks. She says sorry, and Abernathy walks over to her and asks if she knew Jack, Zach Shelby. She says a little, kind of like how you knew Key Summers. He says so, not. He says so, not so much. And she says no, not so much. They just kind of stare at each other. She says she suddenly remembered she needs to give her son a ride somewhere. He says he's not here. I saw him leave. She says she's going to leave and, and we'll finish up later. And she starts moving the cart toward the door. He grabs the cart and rolls it toward him. And then grabs a couple of towels and says, we're good for now. She mm -hmm. leaves the room with the cart and tells her that if he needs anything else, he will come by the office. So, yeah, this scene... It freaked me out when he, like, grabbed the cart and rolled it towards him. <laughs> yeah. Then he just grabs a couple of towels. Okay, we're good. <laughs> yep, that was total power play. And now this is where he's good. He's a bad liar, but he's a good intimidator. Right. And I just think he's crazy to go in the room with him there. And especially after him staring at her from from her window you know it yeah there's no way i would have no way 
no way. I mean, I wouldn't have even bothered to clean his room. <laughs> <at Right. home. laughs> but if I had to clean his room, I would have just waited until his car left and gone in. I don't know. Yeah, that was that was strange. Yeah, and I don't know his little thing about how well she knew Zach Shelby, and she's like, you know, she's like, I knew him kind of a little, kind of like how you knew Keith Summers, and he's like, so not so much, and she says, no, not so much. She really didn't know him that well. She's not lying. That's true, but I. Th- I'm positive at this point he knows that they slept together and had a relationship. Yeah, but they still didn't know each other that long. No, they didn't. But he probably doesn't realize that. Yeah, I guess. Somehow he knows that they must have had something, and I think that he knew it then, so. Oh, I'm sure he knew it then. That's what he's kind of alluding to. And I think he's just trying to feel her out. Yeah. I don't know. He's weird. I would have, <laughs> there were so many red flags. I would have been like right there, like, you know what? Go find another hotel. <laughs> yeah. And she kind of basically does, don't she? Later. Yeah. After the doc scene. I would have done it before right. that. But, yeah. And, okay, so next, uh, Norma goes to Sheriff Romero's office. He asks what he can help her with, and she tells him to call her Norma, especially after all they've been through. He just looks at her just stone cold. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the most expressionless look I've ever seen on anybody. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, she says she bought the motel, and no one offered to tell her about the new bypass. She says she is looking for a way to fight it from the inside. And she's all being kind of like sneaky like you know from the inside <laughs> he she makes me laugh in this scene yes uh he still just is looking at her she says she can see there is a seat open for the planning committee and she would like him to put her forward for it it might influence their decision and he says why would i do that she says because i thought you would and he says why she says because of what they had been through she says of because Of what they've been through, they know things about each other. He says, we don't owe each other anything. We're not friends. You don't know me in any social sense other than as your sheriff. Don't assume differently just because I was kind enough to save your ass one. She says, excuse me, but weren't you saving your own ass at the time? She points out his deputy was doing all that under his nose, and he knew nothing. He gets up and shuts the door and sits on the desk in front of Norma and says, are you trying to say you have something on me? Because if you did that, really would be good for you. I might have to burn you to the ground. He says, don't ever try and intimidate me. Don't walk in my office asking for political favors based on nothing. You and I have no connection. We're not on the same playing field. Don't ever assume we are. You don't know what you're doing. Go home, Mrs. Bates. Norma just stares at him the whole time and leaves. While she is walking out the door, her phone rings, and it's the high school principal. He needs her to come down there to discuss Norman's behavior at school. Yeah, so do you think her intentions going down there were, one, blackmail, or two, do you think she honestly thought he would be willing? Like, she thought they were, like, little conspirator cronies now. I think she totally thought they were conspirator cronies. I don't yeah, think me too. 
I don't think she was trying to blackmail him. But she kind of came up with the idea after he shot her down about it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think Norma is... She's a really strong person, but she's kind of naive at the same time. And so I really think she thought he would be more than happy to recommend her for that seat on the planning committee. Yeah, which is weird because... I I don't see that about their relationship thus far. <laughs> he was so he's so cold and harsh to her and then there's that one time where they both kind of uh need to get their story straight and then all of a sudden she thinks they're going to be getting political favors. Crazy. I know. I know. But I me. think I think that's just how her brain works. I think she just sees it as they had this bonding experience or something and that he that he would do that favor for her, I think because just she seemed really surprised and just speechless the whole time he's talking to her she doesn't interrupt him you know and he just shoots her down you know yeah so I think that totally kind of took her off guard. Totally agree. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so when he says, I might have to burn you down to the ground. Yeah, that was a shocking threat to me. <laughs> it was. And I had to rewind it a couple of times to make sure that that's what he actually said. I was like, does he? did he really say burn her to the ground? Because that's a pretty crazy thing to say. I mean... that With the town's history. That with we the see. town's history. Do it, I'm thinking more and more that Romero is the head guy in this whole pot business. Hmm. And just by using the word burn and how Bradley's dad got burned, like maybe that's his go-to. I don't know. I just... Seemed like an interesting threat. It was, and I wonder if he used it because he knows she's seen that, and she knows that the town is—he's probably capable of making that happen. Right, right. Because I mean, he could have just as easily said, "I'll ruin you," or you know. Yeah. But he no, says, I think he chose that. <laughs> I think he did too. It's just—I don't know. I just kind of. I just kind of think he is the big guy. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So, but yeah, interesting. I really like this scene between him and Romero is just, I really like him. <laughs> yeah, me too. I really like his character. <laughs> I do too. I just, I just love the way he talked to her and just, I don't know, put her in her place, kind of. Yeah. But, uh. He did do that. Yep. Oh, and man, and she gets that phone call walking out of there. I just thought, I just felt sorry for her. I thought, oh, man, she's having another day. Another day. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> that's no parent, I can assume no parent wants that call. We need no. to discuss your son's behavior. It's like, oh. <laughs> well, because... I mean, considering who her son is, what could be going on in her head, you know? 
I mean... Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Could be any number of very scary things. Could be any number of things. (laughs) I mean, some parents might be, oh, he probably talked back to his teacher again, or, you know, whatever. But (laughs) with Norman, it's like, there's just (laughs) no no knowing what's going to happen. Did he attack his teacher with a butcher knife? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Not out of the realm. (laughs) (laughs) How many students are dead? (laughs) So... Yeah, poor Norma. <laughs> yeah. All right, next scene, Remo picks up Dylan at the motel. He asks Dylan if he went on the internet to find out what a trimmer was. Dylan says, yeah, the trimmers cut and process the plants, turn them into their final product, and they leave. Yep, so I think that was just a little scene for us to find out what a trimmer was. Because <laughs> <laughs> we meet the trimmers soon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then the the next scene, Norman goes over to Emma's, and she... Oh, and he asked her why she told all the girls he slept with Bradley. She says it just came up, and he says, just like it came up with my mom. He asked her what she was trying to do. She says she's sorry and turns back to her computer. <coughs> he says not to ever tell anyone something. He tells her in confidence. She says okay, and he leaves. So, yeah, not much to say about that scene. No, except it really, oh, it made me just feel so uncomfortable for Emma, just yeah. The way it went down and just the way she just kind of turns back to her computer and they just don't talk it out very much. Yeah. It was yeah. almost like she just got scolded and then he left. Yeah, exactly. So I was glad to see her come back and explain it. but Yeah, same. Yeah, that scene, it affected me a little bit. Just, I felt bad. It was uncomfortable. A little uncomfortable because she does... She does just kind of turn back to the computer. Like, she just didn't want to explain herself at that time. No, it was. It was just, it was kind of just like she got scolded. Kind of like when your mom tells you you just did something that you know you did wrong, and you're like, yep, okay. Yep, exactly. Can I go back to my thing? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Okay, so the next scene Norma's at the high school. The principal is telling her that Norman left school without permission and will be suspended for three days. Norma says he came home, he wasn't feeling that well. Miss Watson said, he didn't seem sick, he seemed upset. Norma says he wasn't upset. Miss Watson tells her she tried to tell him he couldn't leave and he was practically shaking. Now, you know, kids' emotional health and stuff is just as important as if it was something physically ill wrong with him. Right. Like, I think those are real concerns for high school kids to be able to leave school because they're really super upset about something social that happened. I don't know. I think so. I agree. I'm too easy on these high school kids, but just because it wasn't physically ill, I feel like he still had an excuse to... I I agree. I totally agree. Especially when mom is right there in the office saying she knew about it, he went home. I don't know. But did she know about it? I don't know. I kind of just decided she did, but maybe not. Oh. I could be wrong. I just inserted my own little scene that we didn't get to see. (laughs) 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 But yeah, she usually could have just been lying. Just because that's what she does. Just lies on foot. Although she's not so good at it. True. Okay. Uh, 
Miss Watson tells her she put her hand on his arm to lead him back inside, and he pulled away pretty violently. Norma says, are you supposed to be putting your hands on the students? <laughs> Silence. <laughs> See? <laughs> the principal says they need to stick with the issue. He says they are concerned with Norman's emotional instability. Miss Watson said he's emotionally unusual for his, a boy his age. She says he doesn't interact with others much and keeps to himself, and they would like him to see one of the school psychologists. Norma says she doesn't think that she wants him doing that. The principal asks why. Norma says she would rather him see a private psychologist. She would like to choose a psychologist. Miss Watson says okay, but she would like the name of the therapist so she can explain what she has seen, what she has seen at school. Norma is walking out of the classroom as she says this and says, "Okay, I'll keep in touch." <laughs> like how I spelled scene. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I just for a second. It's <laughs> like skinny. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, was I reading that wrong? <laughs> um, Ye- so this one, this scene, made me think a lot. Actually, reflect about how many times scenes like this have happened with actual, to where people at school are a little concerned about the emotional welfare of a student and the mom totally brushes it off. And then, you know, six months later you have Columbine. Right. Right. I mean, it was a little disturbing to watch thinking, Oh, how many times has something like this played out? Right. I know. And then you get North Bates at the end of it. Right. Because I don't know. It's, And it's probably well, a little you, political, but our country, you know, we have a problem with just you can't get into anybody's business. And if a parent's not proactive and worried about it, these kids do fall through the cracks and they really do need help. They do, because pretty much every time there is one of those shootings, you know, there's someone who says, you know, I pointed out this, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like, I don't think they necessarily thought what happened was going to happen, but exactly. I'm sure some sort of emotional instability, you know? Right. Yeah. It kind of gave me that sick feeling. Yeah. And Norma does like appear to just brush it off, but she does take him to a therapist. So she does act on it. Yeah. And I can see why, I don't know. I can kind of see why she wouldn't want him to go to a therapist at the school shows because oh yeah i don't blame that and yeah i don't know i'm just seeing a psychopath being played out in the early stages and it just kind of hit me for the first time right how real it could actually be right and how it's happened you know several times (laughs) even though this is a fictional story right yeah no that's an interesting i didn't I didn't think of it that way. Hmm. Yeah. I was still more like, why are they making such a big deal? (laughs) Yeah, I went the totally other way. Well, because to me, in my mind, Norman is still the new kid. I, I still think it's just been a few weeks that they've even lived there. And what, he's supposed to blend in with everyone right away i mean yeah um, it probably has but i don't know you just think maybe i thought maybe miss watson is fairly intuitive and um i mean later spoil you know i don't want to get spoilery but 
she dogs my whole theory. But um, at this point, it's, it's you just think maybe she's a little intuitive and she maybe she's studied child psychology enough to really have some red flags with just the behavior she's seen. You know, combined with she, you know, she spends a lot of time with him, and I don't think it, this was all based on that one episode. No, she talked like someone that's been observing him and wondering about him for a little while. Right, right. And maybe when he fainted in her class, that's when she kind of yeah. started keeping a tighter eye on him. Yeah, but yeah, you have a good point. And maybe she is intuitive. I mm. mean, I would think a good teacher is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And they do, you know, to get your degree, you go through a lot of child development and psychology. Child development, stuff. right, exactly. Yeah, so... Cool. Interesting. So, anything else to say on that scene? Nope. <clears throat> All right. Um, so, in the next scene, Dylan and Remo are at a bar, and Remo is pretty drunk and orders another shot. Dylan says he's going to get some sleep, and Remo says he wants one more shot with my boss. Dylan says, what's your problem? You've been on my ass since we met. Remo says he has 23 years experience and is working for Dylan. Dylan says, do you ever wonder why that might be? Dylan says it's pretty obvious. There isn't enough liquor in that bar that would make Remo forget what a pathetic, self-destructive loser he is. (laughs) (laughs) Remo punches Dylan and they fight. They pretty much kick each other's asses. Then we see them walking outside together. Remo says he used to be just like Dylan. The boss loved him. Dylan asks what happened and Remo says he didn't have leadership potential. Remo says he is not consistently reliable and no one respects him. Dylan says, do you say you've been working for Gil for 23 years? Remo says, not Gil, the big boss. Dylan asks who that is and Remo says, you'll know You'll know when you need to know. Dylan asks Remo why he stays if no one respects him. Why doesn't he just quit? Remo says, there is no quitting in this job. You can get fired, but you don't want that to happen. Then he says goodnight and goes into his hotel room. So... Dylan and Remo kind of had to kick each other's asses. Yeah, that was inevitable. Yep. And it was needed, and I think it got out whatever aggression they were feeling towards each other, and now I think they're best friends. (laughs) 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 It happens. There are some guys just do that. It's weird. Yeah, and plus, I think the next scene with those two in the van, I feel like Dylan was doing a little solidarity move. I think so, exactly. Most of what he was doing was kind of showing Remo a solidarity brother thing. (laughs) Right, because Remo wanted to leave that guy behind. Right. Yep. So, but, um, but yeah, so Remo works for the boss's boss, so Gil's boss, who, I'm just going to put the prediction out there, I think it's Romero. Okay, and just, uh, I guess if you are going through this without seeing the whole series yet, um, it's not, it's left up in the air definitely for next season. So we really don't know. (laughs) Right. Right. We don't know at the end of season one, we don't know who the boss's boss is. So that's why I'm just going to put a little prediction out there. I just, I kind of think it's Romero. Interesting theory. I, think it's as likely as anything else if not more so so all right okay so now we have norma in the living room dusting 
And Norman comes downstairs and says, Mother, I'm sorry about what happened at school. She asked him what happened, and he said he got upset. He doesn't want to talk about it, and it will never happen again. She says it can't happen again. She tells him they want to see a, they want him to see a therapist. She says he needs to try to fit in. He says he is sorry, and he thinks he does fit in for the most part, and asks if she can give him a ride to Emma's shop. He says her dad is teaching him how to do taxidermy. <laughs> so Norma's face right after he says that is really disturbed. Oh, yeah, when he says that he's going to learn taxidermy. Yeah, she... She stops what she's doing and just stands there for a second and... Does not like the thought of Norman picking that up for whatever reason. (laughs) Right, well... gives her a bad, you know, majumbo, whatever. (laughs) Bad vibes. I mean, she's just... 30 seconds or less earlier she's like you've got to try to fit in and he's like well I do fit in and I'm gonna go learn taxidermy (laughs) (laughs) true (laughs) I mean it's just like right there he's not trying to fit in I mean I've got taxidermy is a fine hobby I'm sure you know not not my cup of tea yeah but it's not a very usual hobby it's you know i mean especially for a 17 year old kid (laughs) you know definitely so i i don't blame her for being kind of a little upset i don't know yeah yeah i don't either and i just wanted to point out her face just because i think she just doesn't like any part of that at all yeah whether it's you know Towards his emotional behavior or just the thought of, yeah, really need to fit in here. You know, she's really begging him to be normal um, or at least act like he is. She knows, you know, she knows about him and that it's bad. And, you know, she's choosing to just try and help him hide it. Right. She does because she's the one that shot him down when he was going to try out for the track team. That, True. that, that would have been, been a nice normal thing for him to do you know she's kicking herself now <laughs> I bet <laughs> <laughs> dang it we could have had track <laughs> I know because track is fine it's not you know instead I, he's going to be talking to his stuffed dog Yeah. right right and yeah so <laughs> She blew that one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, next scene. Emma's dad, Will, is working on Norman's dog. Norman and Norma walk in. Norman asks... Yeah, sorry. Okay. Norman asks Will if she can talk to him in private. Norma tells Will she's not sure it's such a good thing for Norman to be doing. She says he's kind of an unusual boy. She looks under the curtain that is dividing the room, and you can see that Norman is spinning around in a chair. <laughs> Do you remember that? No. <laughs> it is so funny. You is just this like see... a five-year-old kid? Yes. You just see like his feet, like boom, boom, boom. I don't know. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um Okay, and so she says he has a hard time fitting in and gets upset easily. Will says he is always very calm when he is there working. Hobbies can be good that way. 
Norma says, of course, but she just doesn't want him getting labeled as a freak. Will says, I don't think learning taxidermy makes one a freak. This is where, where Will starts getting um, <laughs> a little offended. <laughs> yeah. Know your audience, Norma. <laughs> she says, there just isn't a lot of people who do it. He says, not many people write poetry, but we still have to have poets. He says, Norman is good at it, and Norman is good company, and they aren't hurting anyone. The animals are already dead. He says, what's the harm with letting a young person follow their passion? What could go wrong with that? Norma doesn't have anything to say. Yeah, so Norma really kind of dug a little hole in, I mean, just, she's telling this man what he does makes him a freak. <laughs> <laughs> right. But Will puts her in her place pretty much i mean i like how he put you know not a lot of people write poetry but we still need poets you know right but i don't find a big use for taxidermy in my life but i suppose got i suppose they're uh, museums and things it's someone's got to know how to do it yeah Cause yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, museums must have taxidermists. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. So, but yeah, you you should probably go back and watch the scene and just watching. She looks under that court curtain and seeing Norman spinning around in the chair is hilarious. <laughs> it's going to be easy to do now because it's on Netflix. I know. I'm so excited. Very excited. I think this is a good thing for Bates Motel. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I couldn't have been happier when I saw that news. The yeah, because when, I don't know, just where I am in life, and I don't think I'm too abnormal, that if it's not streaming on Netflix, it's a little hard to get a hand. Especially if it's a show, you're like, meh, I don't know. Well, yeah, and a lot of people have the excuse, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that starting, but I missed the first couple episodes. Exactly. and. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of people just are into binge watching, so they'll wait yes. for something to hit Netflix. Even if they have the cable channel that it's on, it's like, well, I'm not going to wait every week for this, you know? Yeah, and if something is not on Netflix, it's kind of getting hard these days. You have to either have the disc, Netflix disc, or you have to just buy it or borrow it from someone that might already have it. It's... Right, or you have to have a Hulu Plus account and hope it's on that instead, or like a... Amazon Prime, yeah. Amazon Prime and hope that it's on that, you know, like Justify it's on Amazon Prime, but it's not on Netflix, you know, I mean, so, so yeah, I, I and I think Netflix is probably the most popular streaming thing that people do. So I agree. I think they're all pretty popular. I have a hard time paying for two of them. But I've yeah. got Netflix discs, so I've got all of Netflix. Uh, I don't do the discs. I just do the streaming. But I know for a fact, like, my friend Elisa that I work with, she's been wanting to listen to our podcast, but she didn't want to do it without watching the show. And she's like, I'll just wait till they, like, rerun you know, season one, 
And then I told her today, I was like, guess what? It's streaming on Netflix. So now she's going to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think it'll bring more people into Bates Motel. I think so. Nope. I'm excited. So, uh, anyway, that was that tangent. So yeah, about that <laughs> scene. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, Norma kind of puts her foot in her mouth, I would say, on that. Yeah, well, we've all done that. I don't know, oh. I can think of some times where I just start talking, and I'm like, the person I am talking to is actually just the very person. <laughs> <laughs> we've all done it. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> you, know, you start, uh... Backtracking. Back in, yeah. like, oh, well, I didn't mean you. I mean, <laughs> everyone else who plays Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> For the record, I've got nothing about, nothing against Dungeons and Dragons people. That's just what <laughs> right. popped in my head. So... <laughs> Okay, so in the next scene, um, Dylan and Remo pull up to the motel to pick up the trimmers. Dylan gets out and asks if they are going to White Pine Bay, and a guy wearing a fringe jacket, and just so you all know, I call him fringe jacket from now on. (laughs) Um, He says, what does it look like, douchebag? You're an hour late, by the way. Remo tells Dylan that guy is a complete pain in the ass, and they should leave him behind. Dylan says they should bring them all, like Gil said, too. So. Oh, man. I had to sneeze. Oh. I was frantically trying to find the mute button, and I couldn't. So, anyway, that happened. Cool. Go on. That's the end of that scene. It's just a quick scene. It's just... Stupid fringe jacket douchebag. Yeah. Is already a pain in the ass, so. He was a douchebag. He is, and he will be from now on. Um, (laughs) So, in the next scene, um, Norman and Will are working on the dog, Juno. Will says he's been doing taxidermy most of his life, but gave it up for 10 years when he was married to Emma's mom, and she didn't like it. He picked it up. He picked it back up when she left. Norma says he's sorry. Will says he's put that behind him, and he has Emma, and that is all that ma- matters. So. Yeah. So Emma's mom seemed to think of taxidermy kind of the way Norma does. <laughs> yeah. He... He probably already has like a little chip on his shoulder about it. He probably comes across people all the time that think it's weird. And of course his wife did. And... Right. I mean, to be honest, it is kind of a weird hobby. I mean, anyone who plays with dead things is, I mean, we've got that in our family. We've got a brother who was a mortician. Right. And you would tell people that, and there's just this automatic, oh, you know. (laughs) (laughs) He does that. It's like, someone's got to do it. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, 
And I'm sure Ben, our brother, who's the mortician, probably deals with that all the time. <laughs> yep. Ben but, likes uh, to be odd, though, and I don't yeah. know that it ever bothered him. <laughs> I don't think so at all. I think it just made perfect sense that that's what he would do, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, okay, not much to say about that one. Yeah, anymore. that's what I got on that. <laughs> um, uh, now it's night, and Norma pulls up to the motel. She sees Abernathy getting in his car. He drives away, and she follows him. He drives to the dock and gets out of his car and starts walking. Norma follows him on foot. He goes into a boat, presumably. Key Summer's boat. She watches him look around the boat for something. It looks like he sees her, then he walks off. She waits and then sneaks off and gets to the top of the ramp, and Abernathy backs up in his car and stops in front of her. Man, that made me jump. Oh, man. Big time. And <laughs> she just, I don't know, she made me laugh so hard, she just was sneaking around like this was this big caper. Oh. It was she... totally Scooby-Doo again. <laughs> so Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. If they're doing it on purpose to look funny, or if she's doing it on purpose because she thought it was a little ridiculous or what, but it's all good. It worked for me. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> okay, so anyway, so he says, what are you doing here, Norma? She says she can ask him the same thing. He says, I think you're following me. I think you want to know what I'm up to. I think you know what I'm looking for. She says she doesn't know what he's talking about, and this time she's actually true. She's right. I know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he gets out of the car and says, really? Nothing at all? Where is it? She says, where's what? He says, where did you hide it? She says she didn't hide anything. He says, really? You weren't screwing Jack Shelby either. She says she has to go and starts walking away. He follows her and says, do you think I'm just going to walk away from this? I'm not some moron like Keith Summers. He was a bottom rung. I'm at the top. Do you understand? She says, no, she doesn't. She doesn't know what he's talking about. He says, my guess is once you think about it, you're going to remember. When you do come by my motel room, we will talk about it. And she runs off. Did Norman explain everything about the prostitutes staying? I guess prostitute, they're not sex slaves, sorry. It's a little more correct. The sex slaves were staying at that hotel? Um, Does she know all that? I don't remember. I I don't think so. I mean, she's got to know some of what he's talking about about knowing Jack or Zach Shelby cuz obviously she knew he was involved. Right. Uh, and well, I mean, Abernathy keeps bringing up Shelby cuz he kind of questioned her about their relationship when she was in the room cleaning it. Right. So, I don't know if Norman told her about the journal and no I think he did he probably he, told her everything yeah I think he did in that scene a few episodes ago in the bedroom when he told her when he know, was I, trying to convince her he yeah he must have I think yeah like I found this journal and, and now the girl is in Shelby's basement I saw her and she's like you don't know what you're talking about okay. yeah I'm going to say yes <laughs> Yeah, but what gets me about this scene is I just think it's so crazy that she followed him. 
what what was she trying to get out of that? I don't understand that. I don't. Yeah, I don't get her motivation if I get into her head and what she knows. It just seems like such a bad idea because, I mean, it's a small town. I mean, obviously, he's going to notice that she's following him because, I I don't know. It, it just seemed like such a bad idea, like such a, you know, don't be a Nancy Drew because you're not. Don't be, you know, the Scooby gang. Don't follow him because he's gonna know you're following him. He's he's a shady guy that is doing something illegal. Of course, he's gonna notice a, a Mercedes behind him. They've got very distinct headlights <laughs> for one thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um. It just blew me away that she even did that. That she just took it upon herself to like follow him. Well, getting into her head. And thinking of her motivation, I mean, really, what was it? She was, she was, she and Dylan were curious about what his business was, and he was mincing to her, passive aggressive, more aggressive than passive. Right, right, because he was staring at her from the window, and then he did that weirdness in the room when she was cleaning it. Mm -hmm. Just all mincing, but what? He had never really threatened her about what's going on, you know. I just wonder, if is that like a plot hole in the show that she didn't really have a motivation to? I think part of her, I don't know, it might be. and Or it might be just she has just got to be in everyone's business or something. Yeah. Like she, I don't know. Because I don't get it. I don't get why she followed him. Cause that yeah, is I don't just, either. That is just putting yourself in... I didn't think about it, but now you, know, you bring it up. It's just putting yourself in who's, who knows what situation, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you're not a professional, I don't know. I just... I, I don't get it. Well, she has a long history of bad decisions. <laughs> that's that's the only thing it's got to be. Because, I don't know, it it's just weird. But it's got to be really frustrating because she really doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. And that's got to suck when you're, like, being accused of something that you're like, I honestly don't know what you're talking about. But in following him... She leads him to believe that she does know what he's talking about. You know, she puts herself in that place. That's true. She has she has no idea, actually, that she could actually be accused of harboring a bunch of money, though. I bet that's, like, the last thing on her mind. Right, right. But by her following him puts her in more suspicion in his mind. Yeah. Well, if, if she, if you know, if she hadn't followed him, he might have thought, well, maybe she really is. Maybe she really doesn't know what's going on. You know, mm-hmm. it's by following him that kind of makes her seem guilty of something. Because true, but she didn't know that. Right. That's why she just makes bad decisions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, she does. <laughs> following him was a terrible decision. 
and we don't quite get why she did it in the first place. I really don't. I don't get it. Hmm. But, um, so anyway, in the next scene, uh, Norma and Norman are at the therapist's office, and the therapist asks Norman a bunch of questions about, like, his father dying and then moving to a new town. And Norma ends up answering all the questions for him. <laughs> <That's> so funny. <laughs> so typical of Norma. <laughs> yes. That was like a therapist's like dream, I'm sure. He just was like assessing the whole situation and could like tell you everything about those two. <laughs> exactly. And he, later on he kind of does. It's like, oh, yeah. Okay, I'm here to talk to you, but you are way more interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I know your problems. (laughs) And I'm going to talk to her right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So then, and that was just a quick little scene. So in the next thing, um, Dylan and the gang are driving and French Coat is playing his guitar and singing Remo asks him to shut up and put the guitar away. He says his head is going to explode if he has to listen to any more of his crap. French Coat says, Do you guys remember this puss ball from last year? Maybe we should tell Gil we aren't coming back again. Then French Coat says it's past lunch and they need to pull over and buy them a meal. Remo says they will stop in a while. French Coat says, Management here seems to think he can tell us when we are going to eat. We want to stop, man. We want to stop. Dylan tells Remo to pull over. Dylan gets out and opens the door to the van and tells French Coat to get out. French Coat says, get out and watch you piss. Dylan pulls out his gun and tells him to get out of the van right now. Dylan says, and anyone else who thinks this is a democracy can get out too. French Coat says, stop for lunch whenever. It's all good. Dylan tells him to get out. And he does, and they leave him. <laughs> Just leave him on the side of the road. <laughs> I thought that was so awesome. Was great. <laughs> he was so annoying. And he just seemed to, like, think he was talking for everyone, but, like, no one else, like, said anything. I know. And, dude, you're like a transient worker riding in the back of a bus. A bus. And right. you're gonna say you're you think you can tell us when we're gonna eat? <laughs> uh, yes, yes, we exactly can. how it works when you're a migrant worker in the back of a van. Exactly, that's why I loved it when Dylan's like, and anyone else who thinks this is a democracy. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought I I really loved this scene actually I just loved how Dylan just took control he has leadership qualities he does he does and Remo I think does not Remo does not because Remo was the driver you know Remo could have at any time pulled over and said dude get the you know f out but yeah and you know as I stated earlier that I think this did a lot to show a little bit of solidarity and that Dylan's on Remo's side. Totally. Totally. I think that's half of why he did it. Yep. I just, man, the first time I watched it when Dylan like tells him to get out and he's like holding the gun to him and he's like, 
walk over there. I thought Dylan was going to shoot. Really? (laughs) (laughs) I I was actually shocked that they just left him on the side of the road, but I guess he could just (laughs) hitchhike. I don't know where. (laughs) Oh, he's the kind of guy that can hitchhike somewhere. He'll be fine. Oh, I'm sure. Just Yeah, but, yeah, stupid fringe coat, stupid hat guy. (laughs) So... So, yep, Dylan steps up. Yep. So, all right. Okay, so we are back at the therapist's office, and the session has ended. The therapist tells Norman, same time next week, and Norma says she will call to schedule something. They have a lot going on with them in Albany. He asks Norman if he can talk to her, Norma, if he can talk to her alone for a minute, and Norman leaves the room. The therapist tells Norma he would like to see Norman alone next time. Why? (laughs) (laughs) She says she isn't comfortable with that. Then he asks Norma if she has ever been to a therapist. She says no. He says maybe she should do a few sessions with him. He says she's a strong influence on Norman and maybe has a need to control things. She says I'm his mother. He says of course, but as our children grow older, we need to let go of them. He says people who need to control everything often feel out of control on the inside. He asks if she ever feels that way. She says, no, she feels in perfect control and tells him how dare he make stupid assumptions about her. She says she has perfect control over her life. She has a lot going on, but she does not feel powerless ever. She walks out of the office and Norman says, what happened, mother? Did I say something wrong? (laughs) She says, no, you're perfect. Some interesting choices of words here and interesting insights. I don't know. Um, this was an interesting conversation. It was a great conversation. I mean, the therapist is so spot on about yeah. Norma. He, yeah, he's good. She should stick with him. He's good. Yep. He he can figure her out in just a half hour or whatever that he spent with them. And she gets so defensive. Yeah. And I just love how she's like, she's in perfect control of her life. She's got a lot going on, but I don't feel powerless ever. She's got to feel like so out of control. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean. What we've witnessed in the past two weeks or so (laughs) that this show has spanned. Yeah. There's no control. (laughs) (laughs) There's been a lot of powerless moments and bad decisions and just everything is spiraling crazy totally spiraling but but yeah and I I, f- I found it pretty interesting when she gets back into the waiting room and Norman's like what happened mother did I say something wrong and she's like no you're perfect that- and did I say something wrong she answered all the questions <laughs> it's just funny Exactly. Norman would say, like, one word, and then she would... Right. You know. Which she sounded like she was trying to steer him in different, you know, in opposite directions and whatever, so... Exactly. Could have felt that way, but... Yeah, no, you're perfect. That was interesting. She... I don't know. This was an interesting look at her psyche, and it was interesting for the therapist to say things out loud that made sense to us, that kind of put things into... A better package for us to like, oh, yeah. Yeah. 
he's right. Yep. You know, makes us think of things we might not have come up on our own in those exact terms. Yep, exactly. I mean, yeah, he he nailed it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I liked how he told her. You know, of course you're a mother, but as our children grow older, we need to let them go. <laughs> right. I mean, that just. Yeah, so. and just saying she has perfect control over life and then saying, no, you're perfect. It it was a good insight into the facade she tries so hard to display and convince herself of. Yeah. About Norman, especially, I think, and herself. Norman is far from perfect. Right, and she knows it, but it's like she was trying to convince him and her. It's it's like she's she puts up a facade to the world and she tries to believe it herself. Oh, absolutely. And she kind of keeps up. I We can talk about this later on as we get into the episode, but she seems that conversation also kind of seems to empower her a little bit like she wants to she wants to prove the therapist wrong oh uh, yeah yeah and I'll I'll show you why what I what I mean um so in the next scene Norma and Norman pull up to the house and she tells Norman to go in the house and she'll be right there she knocks on Abernathy's door. He answers. Norma says, here's your money back. I want you out of my motel. And she throws his money at him. He says, you didn't just do that. She says, she doesn't know who he is. She doesn't care, but she doesn't want to do any more business with him. He tells her that she needs to dial it down before he gets truly annoyed. She says, do you want me to call the cops and tell them all about you? How you need rooms and you need privacy and you knew Keith Summers and Zach Shelby. He says he knows that she knew Zach Shelby. She says, there is nothing to know. I'm not afraid of you. He says, you're going to try and convince me that you and Zach Shelby weren't just casual acquaintances and you knew nothing about what was going on. She says, if he doesn't leave in five minutes, she is calling the police. He says, okay, you want to play? We'll play. Then we see Norman and the won't in the motel office watching Abernathy leave. Like, I think the therapist telling Norma that gave her the power to confront Abernathy in this scene like that. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. You know, I think him telling her, I think you're out of control, and she's like, no, I'm not, you know, I'm strong. I think this was her way of proving him wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that gave her the strength to do that. Because that was a pretty crazy confrontation. I mean, after what she and Abernathy went through at the at the docks, Uh you know, and then she confronts them like that. I thought that was pretty cool that she did that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Didn't think about that again. So, I I don't know. I just, yeah, I think it gave her some sort of power to, to go and confront him. She wanted to prove the therapist wrong. And 
and it just shows that Abernathy does really think that he must think that Norma and Zach Shelby stole the money together. Yeah, like after Keith Summers. After Keith Summers died. Yeah, does he? I guess Keith Summers wouldn't have known about the money. If he did, his house probably wouldn't have been in foreclosure. Or maybe he did, but maybe that's irrelevant. But right. just thinking after he died, somehow Zach Shelby knew that he kept money there. Right. I mean, Abernathy says in the scene at the docks with Norma, you know, Keith Summers was at the bottom of the rung. I, I'm at the top. Mm-hmm. So Shelby must have been somewhere in between. Right. And so he must think that Shelby and Norma had this plan to take the money together. And I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, and she truly, poor thing, she has no idea what he's talking about. I know. I mean, in this, in this little scenario, she is really innocent. Mm-hmm. But she's got a really bad guy, like thinking that she's guilty, and that sucks. Yeah, <laughs> sucks for her. <laughs> it really does suck for her. <laughs> Very soon. <laughs> so, okay. Yep. Anything more to say about that one? Nope. Uh, okay, so. Now we go to Norman, and he is at Emma's, looking at taxidermy Juno and playing with the hair on her chin, and Emma walks in. Emma asks if they can talk. She tells him the reason she told those girls about him and Bradley was because she heard him them talking about him. She says it made her so angry because she thinks he is so special and better than any of them. She tells him she's sorry, and she didn't want him to think she had any other motive. She says, I know you like, you think I like you, and I guess I do, but that's it's not about that. She says she doesn't care if he isn't going to be her boyfriend. She is used to things not turning out the way she wants, but he is really special to her. She says he is her friend, and she doesn't want to mess that up or lose him. She doesn't have many friends. Norman says it's okay, and he is sorry he was mad, and she hugs him. Emma's dad walks in and says sorry he would have knocked if there was a door. So I love this. I love how Emma has obviously been just hating how that last conversation went, and it's just probably... Played out what she was going to say. Yep. And just walked in there and said it. And Norman was very interesting. It's like he was in a different place about the entire thing. Like he didn't care anymore almost. Did you like get that vibe? I did. I did. I. It it struck me how he was like playing with the chin hair of the dog. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, he was more into that and just kind of forgot about everything else. And it was just like, oh, okay. I'm sorry I was mad, you know? Yeah, and this might be a little, like, Norman is a little more comfortable in the world of living with dead things and interacting with them. And then real Mm -hmm. people come and he's like, Oh, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, like, it's all good, you know. 
Yeah, you got you... a dead dog here. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of thought that too. I just, I mean, I, I think it's great that Emma, you know, it just explained herself and said, you know, look, here's, here's what's going, here's what was going on. And I really like you, but I don't care. You know, we can just be friends if that's what it's going to be, you know. Right. Well, you know, from the time they had that one conversation while she was on the computer until then, that is like the only thing that was on her mind. Exactly. I don't know how long it's been, if it's been a day or if that was later that day. Right, right. Probably it's been a day. Just guessing. I would think so. Yeah, I would think it's been at least a full day. And it's probably, you know, she probably had that whole speech in her head, you know, probably went over it in her head over and over, and it came out right, and he accepted it. Yeah. Well, I just, I can't imagine those tux, those taxidermy dogs, you know, they don't stuff themselves. It's got to be, like, quite a process that involves a lot of time and... True, true. All of that. So if you look yeah. at it that way, time right, has gone by. Right. At least a day or two has gone by. Yeah. Anyway, I just felt bad. I've just known situations like that where that's just like the only thing on your mind. And Anyway, I'm glad she got to say it and that he re- received it well. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I do, too. It... It just still gets me how he was playing with the chin, the hair chin. (laughs) Yes, Norman's creepy. (laughs) It's just weird to me that, I don't know. Yeah, he is creepy. Yeah, and I think he'll just keep getting creepier. Yeah, I think so. So, um... In the next scene, um, Norma is cleaning Abernathy's room. Dylan and the gang pull up. Dylan asks how many vacancies they have, and she says, all of them. He asks, what about room nine? And she said, he was right about that guy. She got rid of him. And then she's like, I did it all by myself. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I, I really think that just comes from the therapist, like, calling her out that I don't know. Yeah. Um, Dylan says he has seven people who need rooms for the next couple of weeks. And Norma says yes and goes to open the office. And she turns and says, thank you, Dylan. And he says, sure, Norma. Then she tells him that Norman is having dinner at Emma's house and asks if he wants to go have dinner with her in the village. He says, sure. And she says he needs, she needs to change her clothes and she'll meet him back down at the motel. She's very excited and claps a couple of times (laughs) (laughs) and kind of runs, skips off. When you saw this for the first time, were you like, she is too happy? Yes. (laughs) Something's up. Because she really does. She like claps a couple of times and skips off. Yeah, I got it. I got just that TV show feeling that's like, nope, too happy. Something bad. (laughs) Something bad. Exactly. And here it is. Um, then the scene cuts to Norma going up to her room and Zach Shelby's body is in her bed and she screams and the episode ends. 
And let me tell you, he is not looking good. Oh, he's so gross. He is really, really gross. He's well, like autopsied and green. and... It's cotton ball where his eye that got shot out is. Yeah, he. they did a really good job. At... They did a really good job. He was really, really gross. Because he's only been dead for a few days, right? It's got to have been. Maybe a week? Do you think he's been buried? Or maybe, or did he, did Abernathy get his body from the coroner, do you think? Or did he dig him up out of the ground? I don't know. That's what I was wondering. It's like, where... What kind of power does Abernathy have? Because if Shelby was already buried... How was he able to get his body? I don't... How yeah, was... I just... For some reason, I just assumed that he dug him up. Or had somebody dug him up. But now that I think about it, this, you know, Shelby may have still been at the coroner's. He might have been, because I don't... Again, this show just does this to me. I don't get... <laughs> I can't figure out the timeline. Yeah, I wonder if they do that on purpose, if it's kind of just a... I think they do. Weird, I don't know. Because I think there is... I think there's a good chance that Shelby was still just at the corners that he hadn't been buried yet. Cause, yeah. You know, I think that's the most likely scenario. It's got to be. It's got to be because to dig up a grave, I mean, come on. Yeah, it's got to be that his body was still like at the coroners and somehow. He must have an inside person. I mean, it's a weird town. Yeah, he must have an inside person because how else would you get the body? I don't know. It seems a little more plausible, actually, to sneak a body out of a graveyard, I guess. I don't know how patrolled they are. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and then what? You you put him in the back seat of your car? <laughs> I mean, that had to have taken more than just Abernathy to get him up in the Absolutely. room. Absolutely. Oh, it was not just Abernathy. I mean, he he strikes me as the kind of guy. Maybe it's because he says he was at the top of the rung, but kind of the kind of guy that wouldn't get his hands that dirty. Um, right, so he's got a couple of, like, lackeys, and he was like, yeah. you, you guys need to go bury, dig up Some this body, feelings. yeah, put it in this bed. And they're like, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, know? well, you know, whoever's running the weed ring has got a bunch of lackeys. I'm sure That's this guy does, too. True. In the town, there's probably people that work for the sex slave operation, and there's people that work for the weed that's true. That's true. Somehow it happened, and it's just, oh, he just looked so creepy. And, yeah. Oof. So, that's that's how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually would like to point out, you said that Norma screams, and it ends. She doesn't just scream, she's yelling Norman. She's yelling for Norman, and he's not home. 
Oh, is that what she's saying? Is that yeah. she's yelling Norman just hysterically? Oh, interesting. I found that kind of interesting. Because she knows he's not. She knows he's at Emma's. Uh huh. She had just told Dylan that, but it's I don't know. It kind of spoke to me as almost like a just so a twisted obsession with her son. Unless it's just he's the one she lives with. But she lives with Dylan, and Dylan's just down outside. <laughs> you right? know, it's now where she talked to him. It's almost like they have a husband-wife relationship. It, it is. Rather than a son and mother relationship, you know? It's, it's totally that way. Because she screamed for Norman when Keith Summers right? broke in, but Dylan she, wasn't yeah, there she, yet, you really know? really thought he was upstairs. <laughs> But, but I mean, assistant, she had just said that he was at Hamlet. Right. Interesting. Yeah. They really, yeah, she really does seem to think, well, because even in just those scenes where she yells at him, like, you weren't there for me. I mean, that's kind of what you would say to a husband, you know? Yeah. Not a son. I don't know. Yeah, unless it's an older son, then you're a single mom, I suppose. But I don't true, think he's old true. enough to. Uh, I don't. He's not old enough to shoulder that. You weren't there for me, you know. Right, right. Because it's like not there for you physically or emotionally, you know. Yeah. Like, it's what? it's all it's wrong. It feels wrong. <laughs> it does. <It's> like... <laughs> and it's twisted and it's weird. But what would we expect? This is you know. Norma, Norma Bates and his mother. It is, because again, you and I have to remember, we do know how this ends. Exactly. <laughs> so, and we know there's something really strange. <laughs> so we know it's just like messed up. Yeah. So we can't like, compared to our lives, like would I call for dad? Or would I, so, if I found a dead body on my bed, would I be screaming "Rob" or "Scout"? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not the same thing. <laughs> Not at all. I think I would just be screaming in general. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could come out with a coherent name. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah pretty good episode I really liked this episode me too me too it was, no. it was really interesting to watch and it was fun good reveals big scare with Shelby big surprise in the bed oh yeah good creep factor total creep factor and I just love how they ended on that and just, yeah, what, Abernathy was great in this episode. Yeah, he's a, he's a good character. So what would you rate it? Um, I think I'd give this one a 4.5. I agree. 4.5 dead Shelby's? 
Yes. Yes. Dead green bloated Shelby's. Oh, so gross. Um, cool. Maybe my favorite episode so far. First one's pretty good. First one's good. No, I would say, yeah, yeah. I I would agree. It's it's a great episode. Yippers. Okay, we've got some decent deleted scenes this time. Um, we have one where um, Remy's sleeping in the van and his face is all messed up, and Dylan gets in and his face is all messed up. So it was obviously the morning after the fight, and. Remy admits that he doesn't remember much. And Dylan just kind of looks at him and he says, there's nothing to remember. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I think this was them just, all right, that happened and. (laughs) We can move on. (laughs) (laughs) Let us never discuss it again. (laughs) Nice. Then there was a very quick one where they're driving in the van with the hippies in the back and. Dilly goes, who's good with stopping in about an hour? And there was much quick agreement that that was great. <laughs> this was after French Coat was gone. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nice. They're all like, yes, yes, oh, yes. That works great. Thank you, yes. <laughs> nice. That's it. Do you have a what the bib? I didn't think of one, but as we were talking, I'm like, ooh, i got to come up with what the bip. And um, Shelby in the bed. I mean, <laughs> you don't yell what the crap or what the bip more than at that point. <laughs> you can't really what the bip more than that. It, um, unless you're, is your what the bip um, dog chin? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? What? It kind of is. Because <laughs> it just... It just freaks me out that he's so... Okay. <laughs> this stuffed dog. I mean, he's literally playing with the dog as if it's alive. Because that's what you do. You, you, like, scratch your dog's chin. I do it all the time with Bunny. And it's just so different from, I don't know, it's not like the dog's alive, like the, you know, best not go down that road, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's not like the dog died and is now alive. The dog is stuffed. It just freaks me out. (laughs) Yeah, I just kind of, when you were talking, I was putting putting myself in the place of it being Lola (laughs) and like doing something that I would normally do with her when she was alive and having her like stuffed in front of me. Yeah. No, no. (laughs) that is really not right. No, it's not. And I mean, bunny's right next to me and I just can't imagine him just being like stuffed and me still being like, Oh, (laughs) 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 Oh, Lola, I'll get your toy. Oh, she just got up. <laughs> I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> I know, buddy. Just kind of perked up, like, "What you talking about me?" <laughs> I am, and there's your chin. Oh, 
And he just licked me when I got his shit. I don't know. It's that was just weird to me. <laughs> it, it is very. <laughs> so yeah, that's definitely my what the bib. So um, I don't really have any spoilers for this. Yeah, we're kind of just going to town at this point, you know. <laughs> There's two episodes left. But one thing I do have is, um, so we were talking about Jerry Burns, the guy who plays Abernathy. Mm -hmm. And we're like, what was he on Breaking Bad? Yeah, did you figure that out? I did. I went went and, like, looked up what what was the first episode he was in. And he was... um, He was the group leader means... When Jesse goes to that rehab center after... Oh, I forgot Jesse went to rehab. Yep, after Walt lets his girlfriend die. Yeah. Jerry Burns plays, like, the group leader. Like a counselor guy? Like a counselor in that rehab center that, that Jesse's in. What did he look like? Did he look the same? Glasses and everything? Haircut the same? Um, looks the same, but has a lot of... He's got like a full beard and mustache oh. and stuff. Ooh, when you said that, I think I just pictured his face. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, that's who he was in Breaking Bad. He wasn't All right, like... thank you. He wasn't like a group leader of like a meth gang. He was a group or the, leader. Or he wasn't a, the group leader at the Sweat Lodge of Arrested Development. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and speaking of me getting shows wrong, I figured out that I looked something up myself. That um, Zoe Deschanel is not in High Holiday. She's in one called Kissing Cousins. It's an entirely separate episode. <laughs> I'm insane. <laughs> I just you did like two of my favorite episodes together. <laughs> <laughs> you did kind of figure that out as you were talking about it like wait maybe. I did have like just way too much going on for one 30 minute show <laughs> but yeah I had to figure out what show it was it's called Kids and Cousins oh, nice anyway I might go look it up it's really funny I recommend it she just plays a very funny character cool I'll 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 look it up. I'll I'll watch it. I'm not opposed to Frasier. That was a good show. You know, I did not like Cheers. I never, ever could get into Cheers, but boy, I loved Frasier. I really loved Frasier. Niles is in, like, my top five favorite TV characters of all time. Niles is a fantastic character. Yeah, I absolutely um, love David Hyde Pierce. And if there was any way I could have gone to his production of spam a lot mm-hmm. that would have been like a dream come true that would have been so awesome absolutely Abs- yeah darn us living in utah i know <laughs> <laughs> so far away from the theater you got some of those road chat ones but man they don't have the david Hyde pierce is traveling with them <laughs> no no they're definitely second rate but yeah yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, it's just 
you know, Frasier was just in that time in my life where I don't know if I even had a TV. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but I wasn't a huge, I don't know. I watched a lot of Cheers just because it wasn't mom like a huge fan of Cheers. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Amy was. Was it Amy? Someone was like a huge fan of Cheers because I remember watching it. I think Amy and Scott watched it. I remember them like singing the Kelly song, Kelly. And when they named their daughter Kelly, they'd sing that. Kelly, 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 Kelly. Yeah, the Woody yeah. Carlson. Yeah. I, I remember Amy and Scott, I think, mostly with Cheers. Amy's our sister. Scott's her husband. Yeah. She's our old oldest sister. And so she, like, got married to Scott when I was... I was like seven. So I pretty much grew up with Scott like a brother. This is what happens in big families. <laughs> in big families like ours that are spread apart. I mean, uh-huh. there's 20 years there's, in between. Yeah, there's the youngest. seven kids in our family, but there's 20 years in between. Like we have a 50-year-old brother and a 30-year-old brother. And then the rest of us are spread out. In between yeah. those 20 years, so. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I watch Cheers a lot, but it's certainly not one of those shows that I go back to and, like, I love this show, you know. Mm-hmm. But it it did, I, I love Woody Harrelson. He's, he's one of my favorites. I love him. He's a lot of fun. I loved him in that show, and I loved him in... Natural Born Killers is probably my favorite role of his until I saw Zombieland. Zombieland's my favorite. <laughs> but I'll, oh, I always... character is so fantastic in that movie. I hear he's doing a show on HBO now. Oh, yeah? With, yeah, he and uh, like Matthew McConaughey or something, which I might have to check out. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Have those two acted together? Because they kind of fulfill the same kind of character sometimes. I don't know if they've acted together. I I can't think of anything. Like, I could see a few of their characters being buddies, if you know what I mean. (laughs) I think they're friends in real life. Oh. Like, I think they're, like, like... Get high, buddy. I was just gonna say they seem to be part of that Hollywood like naked party. Get high. <laughs> yeah, because didn't one of them get like arrested for playing drums naked or yeah, bongos, bongos that's naked and, <laughs> and like wasn't Woody Harrelson there when it happened? I have no idea, but yeah, I don't know. I I saw like a sixty minutes or something with Woody Harrelson. I mean, I think he lives in like Hawaii or something, and he just seems to have such a great life. He just like gets high and gets <laughs> high with like um, he's friends with what's his name? Oh my gosh, I I love him the the singer the. What's his bucket? Dang it. Don Ho? No. <laughs> Only a Hawaii singer. I could Willie say. Nelson. Oh. 
Like he and Willie Nelson will like play chess for hours. <laughs> like I can play chess. <laughs> that just seems awesome to me. But um so anyway, enough about those dudes. Um <laughs> So after the music for this one, the only form of spoilers that we really have this time is um in the form of some news for season two. Um, a little bit about, it'll be a little insight about Sheriff Romano's character, um, and just a few other just little tidbits we've gleaned from season two, um, and a little talk about whether or not there might be some incest in the future. So anyway, if you want to hear all of that, then keep listening. Um, and if not, then stop when... When the music starts. Um, and also, we um, would love to hear from you guys. If you want to um, talk theories or maybe tell us some news you've heard about, um, you can email us at um, yesmotherpodcast at gmail.com. And Sue, where else can they find us? On Facebook at the Yes Mother Podcast. Or on Twitter at YesMotherCast. Yep, and we hope to see you there. And yep. I guess that's that's it for me. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of... <laughs> that got really noisy. Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like you fell. I uh, stood up. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? <laughs> okay. It's like the three stooges live here. Oh. <laughs> I am. Um, I stood up for a second and then I just sat back down and like tripped over all the cords around me. <laughs> and then I was sitting on the volume thing and it went down. <laughs> yep. Okay. Having a stooges moment? Yes. <laughs> Proceed. Nice. Okay. Mommy, you keep that. Thank He's you. Showing off his teeth. Okay. Oh, that shit. <laughs> okay. Good job. <laughs> no, I told you that it's a few hours away. Do you feel okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you can't have it too much, or it'll hurt your liver. This is not the time to have this conversation. It's one of your organs. <laughs> What's the liver and what does it do? <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> what did she whisper? <laughs> she found the little washcloth I was using to cool her forehead with her fever last night. And she's like, I found this in my bed. In <laughs> It's a washcloth. <laughs> it's just scout. Oh yeah. <laughs>
kind of googled like season two news of Bates Motel and well one of the things that I found out is that season one is now streaming on Netflix which is awesome right. but then I found two kind of short interviews one of them is with Mr. Carbonell mm-hmm and the interview I saw is on a website called zaptoit.com. It's Z-A-P, the numeral two, IT.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, they ask him about the what's going on with the drug trade. And Nestor Carbonell says, in the second season, there's more of a window into his dilemma trying to straddle the world. On one hand, feeling like he has to uphold the law, and on the other hand, knowing that this town is really stained by this illicit drug trade and trying to navigate those two. And then he says, there's two families at the heart of the drug trade, and we're introduced to both of them and the conflicts between the two of them. I'm sort of caught in the middle. My position within the town is exposed fairly quickly, and you'll see how I have to navigate between these two families and somehow maintain my integrity. Hmm. So, I guess I could be wrong in my prediction that he's... <laughs> yeah. <boss. laughs> yeah, interesting. Yep. 
Hmm. Um, and then the interviewer asks about his relationship with Norma Bates. And he says it'll get more complicated in season two. He says they're both control freaks. Their heads continue to butt as they have to deal with each other more and more. So that will definitely continue in a bigger way this second season, especially towards the second half of the season. It's going to get more and more complicated as he gets more involved in her life. You'll see further topics in the second season that bring them together for better or for worse that complicate both of their lives. Ooh, do you think like a relationship? Is it going to be that old that never actually happens in real life that like the hate of heat is so intense they have to kiss? I don't think so because I think that show is smarter than that. Good. Because <laughs> just saying something like that just brings me back to like something that just drove me nuts about um, Cheers. It's just like the Sam and Diane. Right. I don't think it's going to be that. I think something is going to happen. I don't know. I I, I don't think they're going to do that. Good, because honestly, like, has that I, ever... I would be so People pissed. listening, <laughs> if a situation like that has ever happened to you in real life where, like, intense hatred just turns into passion, you let me know, because I'm interested, because I <laughs> <laughs> don't see that happening. <laughs> No, and it's it's not a nice thing to do to your viewers. I, I, yeah, I I think these guys are way smarter than to let that happen. I think she's although it happened a few times on Lost, and this is Carlton Cuse. <laughs> oh, you're right. No, they're not going to let Norma... He hates her so much. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way that those two are going to get together. No way. All right. Well, we'll see. Um, but I did read another little interview with Carlton Cuse. And it's on insidetv.ew.com. And the name of the interview was Carlton Cuse Talks Incest Odds. <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> I am rubbing my hands together. <laughs> so what he says about that, the question is, uh, you say Norman and Norma's love life as if they are two entirely different things. What are the odds that incest will keep being teased that is going to be consummated. <laughs> <laughs> and Carlton Q says, uh, odds are straight up not high. Hmm. There's creepy and then there's too creepy. Well, they have a closer relationship that complicates everything. I think actually having them consummate the relationship will have them fall into the category of too creepy. At least at this point. <laughs> hmm. So, and then, um, yeah, that's all, that's all it really says about that. There's a little bit more to the interview, but that's what he has to say about the incest thing. Well, I can't say I'm disappointed. 
<laughs> well, he just does... in light of my theory. He does open it up. He says that he falls him into the category of too creepy, at least at this point. So he's not saying it won't happen. Mm-hmm. It could happen. Yeah, and I heard, I think it was an interview with him where he mentioned that season two is going to be like a good barometer of how far they can take this. Um, For example, if this is going to be just like two or three seasons or if it's going to be like six. Right. Season two is going to make or break that, they said. And I don't know if that means, like, ratings-wise, if they're going to be able to go as long as they want, or if they just finish writing season two and then say, okay, we're at this point, so we're going to have to get to this point. It's going to take us this many seasons. I would think that's probably what it's going to be. Yeah. You know. This was an early interview, something in the middle of season one or something, I feel like, before they had written season two, I know. Well, one thing he says is um, at the very end of the article or the interview, the guy says, anything else you want to reveal about season two? And he says, it's a fun spin on the show. The show is sunny. It's summer. All external experiences or all external appearances are bright and cheery. We enjoy exploring our town and characters. There's a little twist and turns that come at the end of the season. I feel like the show is really hitting its stride. So, it's going to take place during the summer, I guess. All right. So, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm really excited. It's going to be fun. And it's going to be fun podcasting about a show that's going on while it's going on. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. It'll be a whole different experience for us. That's for sure. Yep. So. All right. Well, anything else you have to say about that episode? No.